Therefore, Kali is a goddess to be worshipped when you are ready for that transformation because she is going to transform you. Welcome to Living with Reality, a podcast featuring archived teachings and modern conversations with Dr. Robert Svoboda, brought to you by the Be Here Now Network. Living with Reality explores Ayurveda and other wisdom traditions of India, which Dr. Svoboda has been studying for nearly 50 years. For more information, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash Dr. Svoboda. That's D-R-S-V-O-B-O-D-A. Hello, and welcome to Living with Reality. This is Paula Crossfield, your host and Dr. Svoboda's business collaborator who helped him bring you all of these teachings. And this week on the podcast, we have a treat for you. This is a highly requested episode on the goddess Kali, It's very timely because we're in the Nine Nights of the Goddess, and Kali is one of the featured devis or goddesses that uh, is discussed during this time. And so we wanted to go deeper with this goddess and really investigate her energy and the ways that you can relate to her and the information that you can find about her in the text and more. So in this episode, Dr. Svoboda will go into all of that. If you are interested in learning more with him, you can study. Uh, he has a particular course that is all about the Devi. So Saraswati, Lakshmi, Kali, you can go deeper into this topic with him in that course, which you can find at drsvoboda.teachable.com slash courses. So that's drsvoboda.teachable.com slash courses. And you can find all of his courses there, but specifically this course on the Davy, if you would like to learn more. So without further ado, here is our episode on Kali. Today, my subject is the goddess Kali. And I'm going to begin by employing some Sanskrit verses from the text in which Kali manifests possibly for the first time in the true Indian scriptures. And this text is called the Durga Saptashati, the 700 praises, uh, verses in praise of Durga. It's also known as the Chandi Pat, that is to say the, the recitation in honor of the goddess Chandi. And it is also called the Devi Mahatmya, the greatness of the goddess. So in chapter seven, the goddess Durga is sitting on a lion on the peak of a tall mountain. And she is watching some asuras, some, mm, let's call them demonic forces, moving in her direction. And they are led by two particular demons known as Chanda and Munda. And there comes a point that 
Totoko pam chakarut chayir, ambika tanarin prati, kopena chasivadanam, mushi varanam abuttada. So what happens is she becomes extremely upset with those enemies. And because of her extraordinary anger, her face turns the color of charcoal. And at that moment, brukuti kutilat tasya, lalata palakadutam, kali karala vadana, vinishkrantasi pashini. So at that moment, from her, her forehead splits open and out emerges the goddess Kali. And Kali has a karala vadana. She has a, a face that's extremely intense and terrifying. And she's carrying an asi, a sword, and a pasha, a noose. And she's also carrying vichitra katvangadhara. She's carrying a katvanga, which is a staff, topped with a human skull. Naramala vibhushana. And she has a garland of human heads around her neck. Dvipicharama paridhana. She's wearing a tiger skin. Shushkamansati bhairava. And she's extraordinarily terrible to look at because the flesh on her body is, 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 is dried out and withered. But this does not make her any less Intense. Ativistara vadana. Her mouth is is wide, more wider than you can imagine it could possibly be. Jiva lalanabishana, and her tongue is lolling out of her mouth. Her tongue is extremely long. Nimagna raktanayana. Her eyes are sunken, deeply sunken, and they're bright red, as if with blood. Nada purita digmuka, and her 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 yells, her screams, her cries are filling the entire firmament. She proceeds ahead to start destroying the army, taking it to pieces, one uh, warrior and one elephant at a time, sweeping them into her giant mouth. And there comes a point where the text says, "Tato jahasati rusha." Bhimam bhairavanadini kali karala vaktrantar dur darsha darshanodjwala. With her dreadful teeth gleaming in her terrible mouth, Kali, with an extremely distorted and intense face, screaming at the top of her lungs in a terrifying voice, the embodiment of intensity laughed with exceeding fury. So, this is the manifestation of Kali. Now, Kali has also already manifested as Mahakali in the previous story. The Devi Mahatmya is made up of three stories. And the first story is dedicated to Mahakali. And in that first story, Vishnu is lying asleep during the pralaya. The pralaya is when, when creation is temporarily destroyed and every Vishnu is resting because he doesn't have anything he has to preserve. He's lying down on his 1,000-headed snake, Shesha. And Shesha represents everything that Vishnu is not. Shesha is the, the residue. 
So Shesha is there, Vishnu is there, and he is asleep. Why is he asleep? Because he has been he has been completely embraced by, intimately embraced by the goddess Mahamaya. So therefore, if Mahamaya is separate from him, Mahamaya creates the universe. When Mahamaya unites with Vishnu, then the universe disappears because Mahamaya wants Vishnu to herself in the unmanifested form at that moment. And at that moment, for reasons that are totally obscure, suddenly, out of Vishnu's earwax, two demons emerge. And their names are Madhu and Kaitaba. Madhu means honey, but Madhu means anything that's sweet, anything that's desirable, anything that's tasty. And Kaitaba comes from the word, or is related to the word Kitta, which means everything that is undesirable, everything that is is a, a waste product, at least for um, the person involved. So when we eat food, according to Ayurveda, in our digestive tract, it undergoes a process that's called sarakitta vibhajana, separation of the desirable things that we're going to take into our organisms and the undesirable things that we're going to throw out with our waste products. So, This is, of course, what manifested life is all about. We want the desirable and we want to avoid the undesirable. But this duality is itself in a way demonic. It's preventing us from perceiving the supreme reality. And it is manifested out of Vishnu's earwax now at this moment. And these are two demons. And they're looking around, being demons, they're looking around for somebody to eat and the only, the only being that they can see to eat is Brahma, the creator. And Brahma lives on a lotus that is coming out of Vishnu's navel. And Brahma sees the two demons, and the two demons see Brahma. And the two demons start, start rushing in the direction of Brahma. Now, Vishnu, of course, is a very large guy, and therefore his ears and his navel are some distance from one another. So this gives Brahma a valuable period of time during which Brahma can issue a hymn, can sing a hymn to the goddess Mahamaya. And so he says, oh, goddess Mahamaya, Mahamaya, you were great, you were wonderful. And by the way, it just so happens that two demons coming out of Vishnu's earwax are about to come and kill and eat me. So if you don't mind, would you please relinquish your embrace of Vishnu and permit Vishnu to destroy these two demons. Thank you very much. That way I will be saved. And then creation can happen again. And then you can manifest in the universe again. Thank you very much, Om. And Mahamaya, being very gracious, elects to manifest uh, in such a way that she separates from Vishnu and Vishnu wakes up. And Vishnu sees these demons. And he's kind of amused by the whole situation. They did come from his earwax after all. And he starts playing around with them. And they're very enthusiastically fighting. And Vishnu is kind of, you know, uh, just whiling away the time, waiting for the right moment to slay them. Mahamaya, to facilitate the whole situation, decides to corrupt the minds of the demons, which Mahamaya is, specializes in. And so corrupting the minds of the demons, she says, Oh, Vishnu, you are a worthy opponent. 
you are fighting with us. We have decided that we are pleased with you and we are issuing you uh, a, a, a voucher, good for a boon. You beg any boon you would like and we will, we will deliver that boon to you. And Vishnu said, oh yeah, is that what it is? Excellent. Well, the boon that I want is that you should allow me to kill you now. That is the boon that I want. And since you're gonna issue me that boon, that's really great, so I'm gonna kill you now. And the two demons say, oops, that was a big mistake. And then they say, oops, well, the, what we can say now is you must kill us where there is no water because, of course, this is all happening on the ocean of milk on top of Shesha, who is lying there enjoying the whole, whole, the whole scenario. And so Vishnu takes them onto his lap where there is no water and slays them. And that is the end of that story. So Mahamaya has manifested. And it is said that of the three great goddesses, Mahakali, Maha Saraswati and Maha Lakshmi, that this is the story that is dedicated to Maha Kali. Because Kali represents Tamas. And sleep is a manifestation of Tamas. And violence is a manifestation of Tamas. And misunderstandings, confusion, and having the idea that you can issue boons to Vishnu when in fact you have emerged from Vishnu and Vishnu is far more far-seeing and powerful and intelligent and perceptive and discerning than you could ever possibly be. That kind of confusion, Mahamaya, is a manifestation of Mahatamas, which means Mahakali. So in the second story, Mahakali has manifested, but now she goes from Mahakali, and Mahakali is a transcendent form just like Maha Lakshmi is a transcendent form, just like Maha Saraswati is a transcendent form, she becomes a much more imminent. She becomes a much more specific. She becomes a much more purposeful and applied kind of form, Kali. Kali in this form that we're familiar with her, the dripping tongue, the tongue that is lolling with blood dripping from it, the the. And that blood represents prana. It represents the prana that her devotees offer to her. Now, the devotees sometimes think that they should be offering animals to her because Kali loves blood. And if they offer the animal, the blood can be offered to her. Though Vimalananda said you should only offer animals as, as sacrifices if you can bring them back to life other, afterwards. Otherwise, if you want to offer blood, offer your own blood. And if you do not know how to offer your own blood, offer your attention, offer your breath, offer your prana in that way. So that blood represents prana. And those heads around her neck, they represent the different aspects of personality like anger and desire and lust and, and greed and and sloth and so on. These things that, that are corruptions, that are enemies of our spiritual development. And she chops your head off. And by, doing, by chopping off these attitudes, she makes your awareness become all the more focused and attentive to the real reality. Kali, of course, always exists in the 
smashan in the the cremation grounds. And we have to understand that Kali is existing in the smashan, the cremation grounds of the world. Look around you and everything you see is in the process of falling to pieces, including you. So everything, the entire world is a giant smashan. And Kali is standing there as the manifestation of what is going to happen to everything and everyone. There will be that, that, that total destruction and reversion of everything into something new. She is standing on Shiva. So Shiva in this case, if you take away the vitality from Shiva, and that's that E, that uh, vowel, Shiva, you end up with Shava, and Shava means a corpse. So it is, it, 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 Shiva has to have Shakti in order to function in the world. And there are different Shaktis. There's Lakshmi Shakti, Saraswati Shakti, and Kali Shakti. So when Kali is standing on Shiva, what that represents is that Kali now is awakening the tamas that is inherent in Shiva. Shiva here represents the awareness that's in any individual. She's awakening that tamas. She's awakening the human being who, and the average human being, we may as well think of the average human being as being a corpse because each one of us is headed towards dying and becoming a corpse. So practically speaking, we are already corpses. Shiva is lying on the ground, but he has an erection. And that represents the upward movement of his semen. He is urdvaretas. That represents the upward movement of kundalini. And she is laughing. She's laughing with extraordinary fury. And that laughter is coming from the intoxication of the blood of the prana. So she is laughing at the at the nature of the world and the fact that all of it can be, is will be removed at the time of death. And only that transcending transformational energy that she embal, uh, embodies is going to be is going to remain. Vimalananda used to like to 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 emphasize that really in the entire universe, there is only one Shakti. There are many manifestations of Shakti, but there is one Shakti only. And he liked to call that original Shakti that manifests when there is creation. He like, used to like to call that the Adya Shakti. Adya meaning first or original. And that Shakti, when creation is happening, has to split into two forms. And they, these two forms are not different from one another. They differ only in their job. The job of chit shakti is to take unawareness and convert it into awareness. And the job of maya shakti is to take awareness and convert it into unawareness. Another way to say that is that chit causes tamas to be transformed into sattva, and maya causes sattva to be transformed into tamas. Those two aspects of shakti manifest in the body as 
ahankara, the ego, thanks to which we are alive, that identifies with all of the different aspects of our reality, all the different factors in our personality, all the different things that we use to identify who we are in the world. This is what the ego does. As long as our attention is moving in the direction of reinforcing the ego, then it is acting to strengthen ahankara and it is strengthening maya. So maha maya, transcendent maya. Individual people have individual maya and that maya depends on the karmas of that individual. But there will come a time and it will happen to everyone, though it may take many, many, many births and thousands or millions of years, there will come a time when kundalini will be awakened. And kundalini and ego or ahankara, they're the same shakti. But now kundalini is moving from identification with the ego to identification with Shiva. Moving from identification with all kinds of details and individualities and specific items in the manifested world, letting go of all that and moving in the direction of Shiva. So this is a process that happens to everyone. And every human being, while alive, there is a little bit of energy, even when the, for the most materialistic people, there's a little bit of energy that still craves to return to the supreme reality, even if they don't believe in the supreme reality. And even in those people who are ex extremely spiritually developed, as long as they have physical bodies, there's a little bit of energy that keeps connecting to maya and connecting to their bodies. Otherwise, they would not be able to stay alive in this body. So ahankar and kundalini as energies are present in everyone, but in different proportions and in different uh, with different momentum of activity in different people. From these two shaktis, <clears throat> we get three other shaktis, and they are called Lakshmi, Saraswati, and Kali. And so Lakshmi is the embodiment of Maya. Lakshmi is the embodiment of the earth element manifestation of the earth element, especially in the form of things that we associate with prosperity. So Lakshmi, Maya, Ahankara, these factors are all connected. The Muladhara Chakra, they're all connected together. Sharada represents an energy of mild transformation. Sharada represents the Lakshmi represents rajas, activity. If you want to have prosperity, you have to be active one way or another. Saraswati represents sattva. Sattva represents learning. Saraswati represents learning. So you learn something, and with that learning, you start to transform the maya of your organism into chit. You're transforming the dullness of all of the things that are potential but have not been activated in you, you start to actually activate them, to manifest them, to display them in a, in, in, a, in a way that is communicable and that is meaningful to more people than just you. <clears throat> and when you get to Kali, Kali is the total embodiment of chit, 
Shakti. And she is removing everything that you have that is Maya so that it can be burned. It can be burned in the cremation ground of your heart and converted into chit, into awareness, into the the manifestation of of energy in a non-physical, non-tamas, dullness-related kind of way. So, therefore, Kali is a goddess to be worshipped when you are ready for that transformation because she is going to transform you. The word Kali, and remember here, there is a there is a tremendous difference between the word Kali. Both of those vowels are long, Kali, and the time period, the epoch that we are living in right now, the yuga that we are in, and that is called Kali. So Kali and Kali are two totally different things. They're not really related to one another. Kali, like Kali Yuga, it means the, the, where things are the least well-organized, the least awareness, the least amount of chit is there, the greatest amount of maya. And therefore it is Kali. Kali Yuga is, um, represents the, 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 the most problematical time period. But Kali comes from the word Kala. And there are two words Kala in Sanskrit. Uh, They are homonyms. They look the same, they sound the same, but they come from different roots. One of them means black, dark, dark or black. The other one means time. But honestly, at a certain level, they are related because time ultimately is God. Time ultimately is death. It's only because we are born in this world of time and space that we become subject to time. And as soon as we're born, the clock starts to tick and it will stop ticking the day that we die. So kala, meaning time, and kala, meaning darkness and death, these are technically speaking, homonyms, but really time, death, darkness, they are all closely related to one another. So Kali means that blackness. Lakshmi is red, red, vigorous, blood. Red is an auspicious color, Mangala color in India. Saraswati is white. White represents that refinement of sattva. So Kali is the uh, the is black, Lakshmi is red, vigorous, rajas, Saraswati is white, calm, sattvic, and Kali is full of tamas, full of destruction. But that destruction liberates the energy that is being bound down by ahankara, that is being bound down by the by the shapes and the and in the forms and and the the patterns that are binding it down. So Kali breaks through all of those. 
And as those are breaking, broken through, the prana in your organism that has been invested in maintaining those attitudes and maintaining your personality and maintaining your eventually your body, but let's start with maintaining all of this concept of who you are, she breaks those down and releases prana. And that prana, she, she licks up with her lolling tongue and this intoxicates her. And with that intoxicates, with that intoxication, that energy, she, she gets even more energy for transformation. And that energy of transformation uh, expresses itself further and further and she becomes more and more dramatically um, vigorous and she dances on top of Shiva with ever more enthusiasm. So Kali is the goddess that you worship when you want some sort of serious transformation. Do, do, and I say this because, of course, nowadays we have all kinds of things that probably we could do without. For example, I see, I've seen people walking around with lunchboxes on which there is the image of the goddess Kali. Now, it may be okay to have Kali on your lunchbox, especially if every time you see her, you bow down to her, you acknowledge her, you align with her energy. But if you're just doing this because she's a weird-looking character and you're carrying around on a lunchbox, you're asking potentially for trouble because the, that image of the goddess, just like a mantra, the name of the goddess, these are really embodiments. These are incarnations of the goddess. You put Kali on your lunchbox or you just randomly put a decal of Kali on your car or whatever. You are invoking the energy of Kali into whatever it is you have put that image on. Are you ready for her energy to be present there? Are you ready for her energy to potentially transform uh, or uh, and potentially transform by disrupting the structure of whatever happens to be there? If you're not prepared for that, then please don't do it. Kali is you you certainly the the everybody can get away with worshiping Lakshmi and Saraswati. Saraswati is mild, and Lakshmi is not gonna is not gonna stick with you. She'll be with you for a while, then she'll move on to someone else. But but meanwhile, she enjoys very much having the attention. Kali appreciates the attention, but when you give her attention, what's gonna happen is she's gonna take that attention, and she's that's attention means chit, and she's going to magnify it. And she's going to return it to you a hundred times greater, a thousand times greater. And it's going to force you to look at reality in a way that you might not find palatable. You may look at reality and see, oh my God, I don't want to be trapped the way that I am. I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to have these attitudes that are making me feel like everything is fine when I can see everything is not fine. I'm headed towards death and I'm not prepared for it yet. So if you, are, if you are ready to permit the energy of transformation, and that's the energy that you're headed for right now anyway, you're headed for the energy of death. You're headed for your awareness as an individual to become darkened. You are in the stream of time and at some point you're gonna be kicked out of the stream of time. 
So you need to prepare for what that is going to be. But you need also to be aware that if you start invoking Kali for that transformation, Kali is going to not simply make that transformation nice and palatable and gentle and easy and genial. She is, ex- she is laughing ex- with extraordinary fury at the top of her lungs. She is filling the entire universe with the sounds of the peals of her laughter. And she is sucking up the prana from any offering that is being made to her, and she is standing on a funeral pyre where there is a corpse burning, and she is manifesting out of that corpse, and that corpse is you. If you are ready for that, then by all means, invoke Kali into your life. Otherwise, just say, Jai Ma Kali, and say, I look forward to seeing you when I end up on the funeral pyre. Jai Ma Kali! Jai Ma Kali! 